today on Real Life Radio. He stands there almost as it were in fulfillment yet opposition to natural light. Jesus stands there and says, I am the light of the world. If you walk or fellowship with me, you have the light to walk with and to be guiding you and to be leading you. He was referring to himself. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. You know, God has an amazing inheritance waiting for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He wants you to know all about it. Salvation is only possible for those who give their lives to Jesus Christ. But if you're not sure how to go about that, why don't you let us help? Simply go to our website, jackhibbs.com, click on that tab that says No God, that's spelled out K-N-O-W, God. Now, once you're there, you'll find the full meaning of what salvation in Jesus Christ is all about. There's even a way for you to email us and tell us all about your decision to follow Christ. Again, that's the tab labeled No God, and you'll find it at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message titled, When Life's Exposed. You know, the Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and divinity of Jesus Christ, as only Luke, the physician, could do. Here now, as we continue in chapter 9, we'll consider how Jesus never went about in secret. His life was exposed for all to see. You see, most of the time, Jesus prayed alone, but there was something about this time that Jesus wanted his disciples, Peter, James, and John, to witness something very special, to be eyewitnesses of what praying to the Father brings down from heaven. So today, on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that when the life of Jesus is exposed, we see the glory of God to come. And when we look to Jesus, we are reminded that he is the light of the world. We won't be walking in darkness, but we'll have Jesus, the light of life. Now, in his message called, When Life's Exposed, Here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. As they were leaving, you got to love Peter. In fact, Matthew says that Peter's going to say this. Peter said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, that's very sweet to say. It's cute. He didn't say six tents. He left him out of the deal. They're going to be homeless. I'm not joking because what Peter's asking, what he's saying... He doesn't even know what he's talking about. And it even says in the Bible, and look, it says not knowing what he said. Don't you love that? He said this not knowing what he said. Look at your Bible. He said it not knowing what he said. Matthew's gospel, Luke's, uh, Mark's gospel tells us that this Peter said because he didn't know what to say. <laughs> Don't you love this guy? Oh my gosh, James, John, look at this. Look at this. Build, let's build three tents. But what was he implying? What was he saying? In the Jewish mind, Peter was Jewish. What was he thinking? The law, Moses is here. Oh man, what could be better than that? Elijah showing up too. This is it. Heaven is now. The kingdom has arrived. Besides James and John, didn't he say a couple of six, seven days ago, eight days ago, didn't he say that to be those standing with him who would not see death until the kingdom of God comes? We're in. We made it. This is awesome. Come on, let's build three tents for them. Jesus, 
We're going to build you a tent, Moses and Elijah, so you guys can have a place to live in the kingdom forever. It's forever, he's thinking. And the kingdom of God is forever, but he, he didn't understand. He didn't understand a few things, even though he's very sincere. Number one, what did they speak to Jesus about? What did Moses and Elijah speak to Jesus about? His death, his exodus. You know how we listen. We're very selective about how we hear. I know I'm very good at that personally. My mom was so sweet, but she complained all the time. Hey, listen, when you complain a lot, people who live with you, I'm here to tell you, I have the power, having been born and raised with my sweet mom who complained about everything. When I say complained about everything, she complained about everything in my life that I didn't do, like clean up my room and pick up my shoes. And you know the stuff that moms are supposed to complain about. But what I did was, and I developed this power, and every five-year-old boy can develop this power. You can selectively tune out. And some, you will, I can physically see someone's lips moving in front of me, and I can't hear a word they're saying. I learned that from uh, being a rebel to my mom, you know. She's telling me something that looked just like this. never heard it. We can be selective. Lisa says, I still have that power. <laughs> Everything seems perfect, but here's the thing that Peter's forgetting. <laughs> There's still a whole host of disciples at the bottom of the mountain. What about them? Do they get to go to the kingdom too? There's hardship and hurting and there's death and pain at the bottom of the mountain. Did Peter forget that? Sometimes we have mountaintop experiences which are great to encourage us, but we have to come down from the mountain. The kingdom is coming. They saw a sample of the coming kingdom. But kingdom for eternity is not yet. Wouldn't you, if, if you could pick and choose, wouldn't you rather be with the Lord right now? I know you would. But the truth of the matter is, for some reason, God still has us here. That's for us to find out and to obey. Yeah, but how come he doesn't take us now? He's got something for us to do. He wants us to come down from the mountain and minister to people. Yeah, but I'd rather stay on the mountain. Let's build three tents. I agree with you completely. But we have to get off the mountain and come back down where life is lived. Hmm. Well, Listen. Jesus' position in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, indisputable, undeniable, is clearly revealed that he is our redeemer, our sacrifice, he's our forgiveness, he's our peace, he's our judge, he's our savior, he's our hope, he's our joy, his, his position. It's Moses and Elijah who spoke with Jesus. The rank is literally this, as holy and wonderful as Moses is, and as wonderful and as fiery, pure as Elijah is, they came and literally ministered. They served Jesus in this act because it was the Son of God being prepared for his sacrifice. And then his presence, verses 32 to 33, his presence, and this is all important. 
His presence they saw in glory. And Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw the glory and the two men that stood with them. Verse 33, then it happened that as they were departing from them, Peter said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. And this presence experience that Peter saw had to remind him of all that he had learned in the Old Testament and what he was seeing as the New Testament was being lived out in front of him. Church, keep this in mind, that for 600 years up until this moment on this mountaintop, for 600 years, Israel had not seen the glory of God. The glory of God had departed from the temple, had departed from Israel. And they had not seen it. It was not recorded until one amazing event. There's the first record in 600 years of the glory returning to Israel, and it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and verse 14. When Jesus Christ was born, it says there that the multitude of heavenly hosts were praising God and singing as the angels appeared in the heavens, glory to God in the highest. Even with his birth, the glory of Christ came. When Moses asked in Exodus 33, 18, Lord, please show me your glory. God revealed the same glory that baby Jesus was worthy of at his birth. John chapter nine, verse five, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The radical thing is Jesus then turns and says to the believer, you are the light of the world. That blows my mind. And so, Look at third and final point, verses 34 to 36, it is this. We see the glory of God to come. When life's exposed, we see the glory of God to come. So what do you mean by that? We are, before I say that, let me put it to you like this. Church, when Israel came out of Egypt and they were broken up into their tribes, so many thousand would be in this group, so many thousands in that group, so many thousands this way, that way. It was in four directions, north, south, east, and west. And when they moved, they moved in a line in the wilderness. But when it came time to pitch their tents and camp at night, they broke up into their very well-defined groupings. The cool thing is, when you look at Exodus and how the layout is, You have so many thousands to the left or west. You have so many thousands to the right or east. You have so many thousands to the north, that is to the top of your page. And you have so many thousand, by the way, the larger amount to the south, to the bottom of your page. When they pitched their tents at night, if you would have gone up on a mountain and looked down at the entire two and a half to three million Jews that came out of Egypt camping, you would have seen the exact perfect shape of a cross from your helicopter. It was the shape of a cross. Why is that important? As the Lord was announcing that the glory of God would come down and come among them, I see the Lord inviting us to enter into him or to come to him. When we enter into him, we can experience or look at it this way. It says that while he, Peter, was saying this, a cloud, the glory, came and overshadowed them. And they were filled with fear as they entered into the cloud. Let me read it to you this way. That while he, Peter, was praying, the cloud of glory came 
And here's what the word means. Enveloped them completely and they were completely filled with awe. They weren't afraid as they were terrorized. They were filled with awe as they entered, that is, went through into the cloud. They were there and the cloud, uh, it's not a foggy day on the mountain. This cloud of glory comes out of Christ and envelops them completely. They are in it deep. They are there. The glory of God had come to them. And in a sense, it tells us a picture about entering into the presence of Christ. Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 9 says, Now, when he had spoken these things, Jesus was speaking there in Acts chapter 1 verse 9, and while they watched, Jesus was taken up in a cloud. It wasn't a cloudy day. It was the Shekinah glory of God. And it says that he was received up out of their sight. And while they looked steadfast up into heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in shining apparel or white apparel, who said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand you here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come again in like manner. In what manner? In glory, as you've seen him leave. Luke 21, 27. Then they, Jesus said, will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud that is of glory with power and great glory. That's the second coming. But that's not all. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the, what is it? Clouds, the glory to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. When we get raptured, I pray it's today, and you see, oh, it could be today. It's cloudy outside. No. I mean, yes, it could happen today, but we don't need no atmospheric cloud. That's not the word ever used for this. Isn't that fun? So don't go outside on some summer clear day and say, oh, man, the rapture can't happen today. There's no clouds. Trust me, Jesus is bringing his own clouds. <laughs> it's going to be something as we enter in to him. You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack. And then also, we see the glory of God to come and that we hear from him. And a voice, verse 35 says, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Gee, who's speaking? The father. We heard the father speak before, by the way. Remember when Jesus was baptized? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus came up out of the water and we heard the voice from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now Jesus now the disciples, they hear this voice from heaven saying, coming out of the cloud, by the way, that's pretty cool. Coming out of the cloud, voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, hear him. The word hear him is the word aku, and it means let his words surround you or you give audience to his words. Didn't Mary, remember at Jesus' first miracle, in Cana. Do you remember what Mary, his mother, said? She said, and by the way, it's the last recorded words by Mary, and I think they're significant. They're very powerful. Mary said, whatever he says to do, do it. 
Isn't that a great word? What's the last recorded words by Mary in the Bible? Whatever Jesus says, do it. Well, here you have the Father saying, hear him. Give audience to his words. What a powerful statement that is, to listen to him. And then finally, here it is, verse 36, we're done. We see the glory of God to come when we look to him. And this is key. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. That is, they saw only him. But Peter, James, and John kept quiet, and they told no one of those things in those days, what they had seen. We end with this. They didn't say anything then, but they wrote about it. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, that Peter says this, and this is a man who's an eyewitness. He says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. This is not a story, Peter says, I'm telling you. When we made known to you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's what that means. Peter's an old man now, and he writes, and he says, listen, I saw him transfigured in front of me. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for we received from God the Father honor, for he, excuse me, received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came from him from the excellent glory, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, Mount Hermon. Why is this important as we wrap this up, as we end? As Christians, 2 Corinthians 3.13 tells us that all of us, listen, as with unveiled faces, this is key, unveiled faces, continue to behold the word of God as in a mirror, the Lord of glory. We are constantly being transfigured into his very own image and an ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the word of God who is by the power of the Spirit, says the Amplified Bible. And here's our last verse of the day. Just six months, church, before Jesus Christ goes to the cross, something very, very unique happened. And as you consider this, I want you to, we have some images that I want you to see. Jesus will come to the temple in just six months from the teaching of what we're looking at this morning. This was a model in Jerusalem. That's a real model. Isn't that cool? We took that picture. Look at that. That's an artist rendering of what it was during the time of Christ. Hold it right there, you guys. Do you see that section right there where all those flames are going up? Those are menorahs. They actually kind of look like, according to history, uh, historians tell us they kind of look like angels in a way, sort of. But there was a 55 to 65 gallon drum, barrel, bucket, bowl at the top. Four of them. And it was filled with oil. And it was done a certain time of the year. The priest, they would take very tall ladders and the young priest would take, listen to this. The young priest would put the ladders up there and they would take, over the course of the year, they would take the undergarments, the underwear of the priest that had been worn. They would bind them up and bring them together and they would wait for the Feast of Tabernacles. Let us build three tents, tabernacles. The priests would go up the ladders and they would pass these bundles of cotton underwear, put them into the vessels, 
and then light them and use them as wicks, and they were completely consumed during that week. Why is that important? Because you've read, it's in John chapter 8, verse 12. As this was going on here, the final day of celebration at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, what you see here depicted, Jesus comes the next morning after those have been extinguished. There's no more burning light. By the way, historians tell us when, that, when those torches were lit, you could see those torches from 35 miles away burning, the glow of them. When they, were, they, when they were extinguished the next day, see that open door to the left? Jesus would have stood right there and on the very next morning, he uttered the words recorded in John 8, 12. And this is what he said. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You say, well, so what? I mean, that's kind of cute. It's more than cute. Jesus is standing there six months from our reading of today, and he announces while when the light has been extinguished, he stands there almost as it were in fulfillment yet opposition to natural light. Jesus stands there and says, I am the light of the world. If you walk or fellowship with me, you have the light to walk with and to be guiding you and to be leading you. He was referring to himself. That is awesome. Today, as we end, do you know that you have Jesus Christ leading you and guiding you in this life? Do you have the light of Christ? Life exposed, life illuminated. John says that Jesus Christ is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. I pray that you know him. Let's pray right now. Father, we ask you, Lord God, that in all of our hearts, Lord, like never before, as we've never come to a Sunday like this Sunday, we're one week closer since we've been together to the kingdom of heaven. We're one week older. We're one week more ready. One week gone. A new week ahead of us. Father, we pray that we would be transfigured this week, even today. Lord, that we would be serious about this amazing, beautiful walk with Jesus, that we would today sing to him and extol him on high, knowing that he is the Christ who Peter, James, and John not only knew, but saw illuminate the glory of heaven, that Moses and Elijah know that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the light And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in our gathering or listening in any way that is still afraid of the dark, that they would come running into the light even today. Wherever you're at right now, you tell him, Jesus, I want you and I want your light. I want your forgiveness. I want your hope. I want your love. I want your grace. I want your assurance about eternal life. You let him know that. You pray to him now. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called, When Life's Exposed. You know, this message is part of our series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Hey, are you struggling with the existence of God? Well, you're not alone. A lot of folks are. And we are very excited to make available to you our current featured resource. It's called He Who Thinks Has to Believe. 
It's by A.E. Wilder Smith. Now, this book's been out of print for quite some time now, and access to this great book has been quite a journey, but Pastor Jack really believes it was well worth the challenge. Wilder Smith has seven doctorates. He's been a consultant to NATO and the European Union. But you see, his passion and love for Jesus surpasses every other thing he's ever done as he takes science and uses it as a tool for the gospel. So whether you're maybe a young teenager or college student or an adult struggling over God's existence, or even maybe you've been enticed to leave your faith, you're going to want to get a hold of this book. You see, Dr. Wilder Smith will challenge you to look around at your observable universe and through allegories and fantastic stories, you really can only come to one conclusion, God's existence and his unconditional love for you. He Who Thinks Has to Believe by A.E. Wilder Smith is yours for a gift of any amount. And it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.